Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Classic NBA podcast. I am Jason, and with me is Jules Rich. Hello, Rich. What is going on? Well, I had an exciting day. I did two things that I've never done before. I um, I took a spin class, and I also uh, took pl- took part in a lip sync contest. Whoa! All right. So, okay, we got We got to talk about both those things. Those are uh, pretty awesome. So, uh, the spin class. This is like a. Was this like a five a.m. spin class? Was this an early riser? It was. It was five thirty. Wow. Yes, it was okay. Riser. Nice. Yeah. How'd, you, how'd yeah. you enjoy it? Yeah. How'd you like it? I I did enjoy it. It was. I thought after like five minutes I was going to die. But <laughs> right. I, how do you feel now? I mean, are you good now? I continued. Like, yeah. I I feel fine. I'm, I'm slightly sore. I'm going to be sore in the morning. Yeah, but, you'll, you'll sleep well tonight uh, for sure. That's uh. That's I, for sure. I believe so. Yes. <laughs> yes. So. That's good. Yeah, now, I, I, the, okay, no, sorry. Go ahead on the spin, and then we got to get to. Well, I was, I was just gonna say, I found that I really, if I don't work out, like right when I get up, I'm not gonna work out. It's not gonna happen. So I have to do it right in the morning. Yeah, and I've, I've done that a few times too. It's, it's tough. It is really that the morning workout is both the best thing you'll do and then the worst thing you'll do because, like, you got to get like once you get up and once you do it and once you're like in the midst of a workout, you're like, this is good. This is a great way to kind of start my day. You feel good the rest of the day. You feel rejuvenated the rest of the day. It's it's a very very good idea. But man, it's so tough to do it. Like, just hit that alarm and look at it and go, I'm gonna get up. I'm gonna stand up. I'm gonna get out of this bed. I'm gonna stand up and then I'm gonna go like somewhere or do something that's not sleeping anymore. And it, it is it is hard. Uh, to wrap your head around that and and be able to do it. But once you do it, it's it's very rewarding. I I agree, but uh, I don't do it as much oh, yeah. as I nearly want to because like I have that thing where I look at my alarm and I the covers are are nice and warm and I'm just like ah nah 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 that's that's not gonna uh, yeah, happen. So. <laughs> really tough in the winter, yeah, really tough. <laughs> the the winter's winter. true. Yeah. yeah, the summer I can do it easily. The winter I'm like, yeah. why would I want to get out of this? Like I'm I'm yeah. curled up in a ball and my dogs are all like you know curled up next to me and I'm warm and I'm happy. No, I'm not moving. It's just not gonna happen. But it is it is quite rewarding. But yeah, now the lip syncing contest. Okay, so this wasn't this wasn't lip syncing. This is a con- a judged contest. It was yes. So we have em- employee appreciation week at my work. Um, so and part of that they have a lip syncing contest. So so there were five contestants, and I finished fifth. Um, so <laughs> hey, you know I, what? They, they, did, they, yeah. did you still get a medal? Like we're gonna talk about guys that got medals here in a bit. Did I, they still I give didn't you a medal? Get a medal. I got all sevens. You know. That doesn't seem bad, you know. Slam dunk contest that would be okay. Right, not you might great, move on to the second yeah. round. Yeah, you're you're you're, you know, Maybe, you're, yeah. you're not Chris Anderson, but you're you know you're not no <laughs> you know you're not Aaron Gordon, but you know that's that's tough to be Aaron right. Gordon. Yeah, that's, yeah. Know. There you go. Exactly. Yes, I'm. Yeah, I, I don't know. Who <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to think there, of yeah. Well, who's like right good but be. not great? Where you're like that guy had good. Like I remember Terrence Stansberry. Uh, in every go. NBA dunk contest had like really good yeah. dunks where you're like, nice right. job, Terrence. But like, you're not Dominique or Michael Jordan. So move on out. Like, you know, right. I was fun because like he, you'll see it. You'll watch those. If you go back and watch like the, the, the 80s ones, I think it's him that always like he busts out like two good dunks. You're like, yeah, that's a good performance, Terrence. Nice job, man. And then like yeah. Dominique and Jordan go and you're like, oh, right. 
Oh yeah. Bye, Terrence. Yeah. <laughs> like, have a good one. Right. Thanks for coming. Like, yeah. Uh, nice. Yes. It was Statue Liberty, but didn't really. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yet. Yeah. 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 Kenny Smith was in one of those too, and he had like. Oh yeah. He was no, bad. He yeah. was bad. He was more of the Chris Anderson. So you weren't. You were Terrence Stansberry. Is is what? I was. I was Terrence Stansberry. Which is fine. Yeah, so I did, That's not bad. Right. <laughs> yeah. I I did Twist and Shout, Beatles song. You know. Um. And uh, yeah, I, I learned that. So I made it more like with karaoke where you kind of like, you know, move and you dance and you kind of go along with it. And it's more about replicating the vocals and the slower songs, I, I think, got a better reaction. So mm. I'll, I'll learn that okay. in, in the end. So, yeah. Be back next year. Stronger, hungrier. Uh, hey, there you go. <laughs> for, slower. That's, yeah, yeah, slower. That's incredible. So are, are, yeah. d- have you already been thinking of songs or have you already been thinking of? of what you're going to do for that next competition? Or are you just going to, now you've done it, you're going to take your break, you're going to chill a little bit, you know, you're not going to listen to music for a few months and then really get back on it sooner. <laughs> right, what, what's yeah. the plan here? What's the the, uh, the training methods yeah. that we have in, in mind here? I, I would say I'll, I'm going to download uh, Tony Braxton's Unbreak My Heart and Ooh, on one. Spotify and, and be listening to that for, you know, the next year or so until I really have it nailed down. Is that, is that, so you think that's the one that's going to, that's going to woo them, that's going to win the, the audience over? I, I, I think it could. Yes, it's incredible. Hopefully none of them listen to this because you don't want to spoil it. So All right. well, or have anybody steal. Do, so. do any. I hope hopefully none of your coworkers or maybe this is a wholesome podcast. Why, why am I saying hopefully none of your coworkers? I hope right. all of your coworkers yeah. listen to this podcast. It's very wholesome. Yeah, so. they're, they're, I know that some of my coworkers have listened to this podcast, have listened to episodes of this podcast. Oh, good. Maybe well, welcome. Hi. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't so, steal and break my heart. Jason's already got it. That's what we'll I, say. I don't think they will. No, I think they're they're stand up people for the most. Part. That's good. So, for the yeah. most part. <laughs> For the most part, you know, a couple of shady characters there, but I'm talking about you, Derek. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, does that, yeah. does that, the, whoever you're talking about that's listening know that they're one of the unsightly ones or the, one of the, uh... right. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. It's a good mystery. Yes. So yeah. Um, it, so yeah, it's, it's been an interesting day. So, um, but we are here to talk about, uh, Notable thing that's happened, a NBA player has won a ring and a gold medal in the same summer. That was, in fact, uh, Marcus All, who uh, became the sixth player to do it, the first non-American NBA player to do it. This happened many times in WNBA, which we'll talk a little bit about. Um, and uh, and so he, of course, with the Toronto Raptors, won the NBA championship, and now with uh, Spain has won the 2019 uh, FIBA World Cup. So uh, really impressive accomplishment for him. I, I think we'll talk a little bit more later about what that sort of means for his legacy, because I, I think of anyone on this list that we're going to talk about, I think it maybe does the most to boost um, his overall legacy hall of fame case, that, that, that kind of thing. I, so I, we, we definitely dive into that a little bit, but I think it's, it's an interesting club to be in. Yeah, it, it definitely was. And and when you initially, you know, came to me with this idea for the show, I was just thinking like, I, I don't know, Jason, is that really good, like going to be a good show? Because it's like in my head, I assumed there was a lot more people. I assumed it was going to be like a list of 20 guys. And I'm like, yeah, OK, like, you know, the NBA title and the gold in the same year. That can't be that rare. And it really was like we were saying and, and, and kind of wrap your head around that. We're going to talk about all the guys that have done it. We're not just saying Olympic gold either. If we said Olympic gold, this list would be even smaller than it was. We're talking about any gold medal, so including the FIBA World Championship or the FIBA World Cup in this as well. So the idea that you're getting a title and that gold medal, and it's like a you know numerous competitions, numerous international competitions, is still like I, I'm, I'm to me I was initially stunned that there were so few guys that did it. And then you look through history and you see that like uh, one of the big reasons, of course, and we'll talk about that with the, the you know the first guy we talk about here is the lack of you know NBA players in USA international competition for, for a while, which makes sense. The lack of European players in the NBA 
up until, you know, about 20, 30 years ago or whatever. So, again, those two play huge factors. But still, it just, like, it kind of caught me by surprise that even in the last 20 years, even in the last 30 years, there hasn't been a lot more of those. And, yeah, I guess it is a very rare sort of occurrence that it would happen that you would win an NBA title and gold in the same year. But for whatever reason, initially when I thought of that, and initially when you came to me with that idea, I was like, oh, man, there's going to have to be a lot of guys. And I, I was I was stunned by how few there were. And I was actually kind of surprised by a few of the names that were on there a, a, as well. So it'll be a, a really interesting show to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And I, um, you know, we don't dive into the um, international stuff quite as much. And it, it's always kind of you know, it's subject of interest to me. But I, I think the regular NBA has enough to uh, take our attention. That isn't something that we uh, dive into. But obviously, you know, it, it makes a difference in people's career. I mean, a, a lot of players, particularly players that are not from the United States, really value these competitions. The, the World Cup is really a big deal across the world. It's not quite as big of a deal in the United States. Um, I think really the only if, if the U.S. had won this competition, it wouldn't really have made much you know, t- taking much attention here, the fact they lost was was kind of a big deal. But, um, uh, but, but yeah, it's absolutely you know, it, it, it's a lot of people view those accomplishments as just on par with NBA accomplishments, and they definitely you know deserve you know some attention for sure. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm a big fan of. Um, I, I don't like I don't get like super into it and watch every single game and do all that sort of stuff. But there's nothing better to me than watching some international basketball because it's one thing that I love about it. And and like you said, I you know probably rather watch NBA games like I'm not going to not watch the NBA and just watch international and like you said on this show we have a ton of topics in the NBA that we've you know can talk about over you know international stuff but I love just going on and and and, and turning on a game between a bunch of you know maybe two countries I I, I don't really you know who care I don't really care about Spain and like Argentina or whatever you know there's some teams I don't really care that much about but like I love watching the passion that those guys play with and that's one thing that I really do love when I watch international games is is seeing these countries where this this means like you said a lot to some of these guys like we're talking about Marcus Saul. Him winning this gold, this FIBA gold, means so much because there's been a lot of defeats at the hands of, of, of big teams. There's been a lot of international competitions that he's been in, and, and for him to win this as kind of the leader of his team is a big deal. And you could see, you know, in the post-game uh, press conference that he had that it was an important thing to him. Like, it was a huge, huge deal to him. And, and just watching these teams, and what's, what I always love, too, is picking out, you know, there's there's some former NBA players that pop up every so often. You're like, oh, yeah, that guy. Oh, yeah, what's he doing there? Uh, so there's those guys, and then there's guys that you've never even heard about because maybe they're not in the NBA but they only play in Europe, but then they're great. They're really fun. And, and it's a good way to see like, you know, prospects coming up guys that might be coming to the NBA in the next few years. I know I remember many, many years ago, seeing Nikola Miritich uh, play in one of these FIBA world cups and being like, Holy crap, that guy's great. And like, you know, it comes to the NBA. Maybe it doesn't kind of click all the way for him, but you see those guys, then you get guys, you know, like I said, the former NBA players, and then you get like current NBA players, like stars playing somewhat different roles as well. It was really interesting to see those sort of things happen. And, 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 and guys have to become team leaders, even though they're not normally like, you know, the biggest deal on their own team. Like Evan Fournier playing for France and, you know, the game against USA this year was awesome. It was like Evan Fournier, Frank Nielakina and Rudy Gobert being like the best players you've ever seen in your life. And and the team going nuts because they beat the US like that's awesome. That stuff is really, really cool. And I love seeing guys that like, you know, once Frank Nielakina goes back to the NBA, he's just going to be bad point guard Frank Nielakina, you know, bad next point guard Frank Nielakina. But like here he was a god to France, like he was everything to them right now. And I, I, I just love that aspect of international basketball. So so I really do enjoy it. But like you said, yeah, there's so much to talk about NBA wise uh, that we don't really touch on it all that much. But uh, yeah, I, 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 enjoy, I enjoy watching them anytime they come around. Absolutely. Uh, so we uh, we should start off um Someone you know we're fairly familiar with, uh, Michael Jordan. Michael Jeffrey Jordan, I believe, uh, here yeah. in 1992. 
What a gold medal in 1992. Did you know that? Uh, I did not until I did the research here. So let me tell you about this 1992 Team USA. I don't know if you've heard about Uh it, but uh, turns out this team was pretty good. Get to this in a second, Jason. But uh, this was uh, Jordan's second NBA championship, of course, in 1992. We went back to back uh, and also his second gold medal. Thinking, wait a minute, second gold medal with the pros. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he won one as a college player in the 1984 uh, Summer Olympics, but in 1992, he was a member of the Dream Team. And of course, I'm joking. Everybody knows about the Dream Team. They're incredible. They're awesome. Uh, Jordan started all eight games, scored only 14.9 points per game, but uh, they really didn't need him because. And <laughs> we're going to go, like, if he, we know the Dream Team was dominant, but, like, I just want to go through this again just to give an idea of just how ungodly dominant this team was. Eight games. First game against Angola, they won by 68 points. Second game against Croatia, they won by 33 points. Uh, third game against Germany, they won by 43 points. Uh, fourth game against Brazil by 44 points. Uh, Spain, 41 points. Puerto Rico, 38 points. Lithuania, 51 points. And then finally in the gold medal game, just barely skirted by Croatia, winning by 32 points. So uh, didn't really need Jordan to score 30 in these games. They kind of had it with him just kind of scoring 12, 13, 14 uh, and getting out of there. But uh, yeah, remarkable, remarkable play uh, by the Dream Team. Just kind of took the Olympics by storm, took international play by storm, and really kind of transformed a lot of international basketball in this one moment with the collection of NBA players. And not just like guys that were in the NBA, but like the best of the best in the NBA there. Uh, the best of, of the guys of the 80s, the best of the 90s, all coming together. Oh, and Christian Leitner was there too. But like the best of the best were there playing for this Dream Team. And, and yeah, those scores are just unbelievable. Yeah, and it, it's pretty incredible. And actually, I'd like to, when we get a little bit further in the in the show, I'd like to talk a little bit about the 92 versus the 96 team. Because that 96 team is kind of forgotten history, but they were extremely dominant as well. And I'd like to just do a little tail of the tape here to see if we can talk ourselves into, you know, how good the 96 team was versus 92 team. Probably not going to get there, but I, I, I'd like to, I'd like to dive into that in a little bit. Yeah, that'd be fun. I, I like that idea because yeah, the 96 team, I always do tell people like, don't, don't sleep on that team. That team's really good. So well, I'm, I'm excited to do that. Uh, but at this point, so we're, we're going to kind of talk with each of these players is like, okay, so we've kind of gone over, I'm not going to have to give you all the, the history of Michael Jordan. You know about Michael Jordan. I, I'm so we're going to look at, you know, what they did in the NBA that year, which, Quickly, I said, you know, he won a second NBA title back to back, defeating the Portland Trailblazers. He now won a second gold medal. You know, the dream team was great. So now what did that do for the legacy of the player? We're going to talk about that for every uh, every guy. You know, what did this 1992 season where he was able to combine the ring and the gold medal? What does that mean for this guy's career and the narrative? Jordan is, is an interesting one, because at this point, he was already a three time MVP, uh, two time champion, eight time all star. So it's not like a ton of narratives changed because of the gold medal. But I will say this, though. I think the brand of Jordan and, and and Jason, I'm curious on your thoughts on this too. I think the brand of Michael Jordan really took another leap in 1992. It was big. It was huge before he was already marketing dynamo, but this was like, this was it. Cause he went on the world stage traveling around facing these players, like being seen by the world, you know, the people that are maybe just not even basketball fans that are watching the Olympics, people that, you know, from other countries watching these Olympics, seeing Michael Jordan. I mean, he was he was the muscle of this team. He was the one that they kind of marketed. He was the guy that was on the billboards. He was the guy that they kind of all sort of pointed to. And I think one of the things that's 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 important about this is narrative wise, people say and, and you know, it's that Dream Team documentary. I think well, who, who's it? HBO or ESPN? I forget who exactly uh, did that one. Uh, talked about how that. That 92 season was, or that 92 Dream Team was kind of a passing of the torch as well, where where Magic and Bird and that Jordan generation sort of passed the torch 
over to Jordan. Now, I kind of disagree with that because I think 1991 was pretty much the the torch passing there or the torch stealing by Michael Jordan the Bulls. You just kind of said, all right, Magic, you're done. Bye. No, go away. We're, we have this for now. But if people want to get symbolic about it, yeah, that's fine. 1992 is when it felt finally like Magic and Bird were kind of in the in the shadows, especially with the stream team. And Michael Jordan now emerged as the star, the guy. The, the the ultimate marketing dynamo of the NBA. So that's the only thing. Like on court, I don't know that Jordan had much more to prove in 1992, but I think in terms of becoming the global megastar that he would become for the, the rest of the 90s and in God, even till today, 92, I think is important. It's not all. It's 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 not like it changed him from a nothing to a somebody, but I think it did kind of put him in that next stratosphere. Do, do you agree or disagree with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree that Jordan was elevated even more after this and magic and bird weren't as much because you know bird was basically at the end of his career and magic was of course he'd already retired um for you know because of hiv he was going to come back in i2 and then that was he received negative reaction from other players and, and decided not to do that comeback um so i i, I think that if Magic had been able to stick around, if he if he decided to you know be able to play through HIV and, and be able to play, I, I think it would be different because I think Magic still would have been like I think at that point at like ninety one ish, I think Jordan was a ten and I think Magic was a nine. I think they were very comparable in terms of their greatness, and, and I think Jordan was would have still come ahead, but I think Magic would have made um, in a rivalry made it a case. Right, I think we would have think of Magic's. Um, and maybe Jordan a little bit differently because I think Magic, you know, would have been there, com- maybe competing for titles with um, Jordan. So I, I, I think that had a lot to do with it too. I think the Olympics obviously played a part. I know, you know, obviously the documentary talking about and and the the Jack McCallum book, which I think the documentary is is based on. Oh right, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, talks a lot about how Magic and Jordan, you know, they went up against each other. Magic kept, you know, trying to push Jordan and, and, and tried to, you know, measure himself and say, you know, I've still got it. I've still got it. I can still, you know, be the best. And, and kind of decided at the end um, that, okay, maybe I don't quite, you know, maybe he, this guy's passed me by, but I, I do think that that magic would have, I, I think that would have been a conversation had magic continued his career, you know, in, into the, you know, mid to late nineties along with Jordan. I, I think you know, who knows what would have happened, but I, I do think that I still think magic was good enough. Um, even when he came back in 96, I mean, he obviously was out of shape and, you know, hadn't played in a long time, but he was still, you know, an effective player. And I, I think he could have aged as a really, really good player. Absolutely. Uh, a few more things here on Jordan. Uh, him and fellow Dream Team members Patrick Ewing and Chris Mullen, uh, the only American men's basketball players to win Olympic gold medals as both amateurs and professionals. So uh, pretty fun one there. And uh, Jason, you have a little question here. You're saying, well, wait a minute, that can't be right. But mm. Right. Well, I was going to say, what about David Robinson? Right, and right. Then I re- and then I remembered, oh, yeah, Team USA actually lost in uh, 1988 because of Arvita Sabonis. Damn right so, they did. Big they Sabonis. did, Sabonis. God, Sabonis. I love Arvita Sabonis. What a great play. God, I wish he came to the NBA earlier. Man. Yeah. I mean, he was still awesome when he came as, like, right, fat right. 38-year-old Arvita Sabonis. Like, damn, we, yeah. we were robbed of so many great moments and so many great memories. Yeah. And he did them internationally, but, man, it'd be fun to just watch him in the NBA in the mid-'80s. God, yeah, so annoying. But it, it had been like it would have been of like Magic Johnson had played only in his thirties in his career. That, that's I think that's what like it would have been. Right, 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 <laughs> exactly, yeah, right. Where you're yeah. like you're yeah. like yeah, that guy's really good, but I don't know, he's yeah. kind of fat and like he's good, but yeah. he's a good passer, but he's really why is he so fat? Like it's so right, funny, you know? yeah, it's weird, weird. So um, next we have of course Michael Jordan's teammate uh, Scottie Pippen. 
Uh, he accomplished this both in 1992 and 1996, the only player to win an NBA title and earn a gold in the uh, same summer, do it two times. Um, in 92, he played all eight games uh, for the 92 Dream Team. He started three games, uh, led the team in assists, scored only nine points per game. But, of course, uh, they were sharing the wealth a lot. You're not, you're not going to have one dominant scorer in the Olympics. Uh, he, was, uh, he was sixth on the team. Um, but uh, Barkley averaged 18 points per game. But even Jordan averaged like 14.9 points per game. So not a lot of, not a lot of scoring there. So that's, right. um, you know, n- nothing to, uh, to sneeze at there. Um, and, and of course, you know, notably 92 was the fact that, um, you know, um, Pippen and Jordan in the game against Croatia just hounded Tony Kukoc, um, and, and tried to like demoralize him and destroy his confidence. Um, because he was someone who was favored by Jerry Krause, general manager of the Bulls, who both Pippen and Jordan disliked and, uh, just sort of as sending a message of, you know, that, of, of how important they were and, you know, having this Kukoc. Cook coach, I come in for more money than Pippen was making. So, uh, and Jordan you know, famously said, "Let's not let this guy do anything against us." And they basically bottled him up and, and did very uh, little. Um, I believe they played twice. It was the first game where you know where Kukoc was really bottled up. But the second game, Kukoc did a little bit better. He scored 16 points. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Croatia was a really strong team with Drazen Petrovic and Dino Raja on that team as well. So, um, you know, and and Kukoc sort of average overall 11.5 in those Olympics. He did score 25 a few games against uh, Germany. And um, and actually the 16 that he put up in that final game um, was the second best scoring output that he had in the entire Olympics. Although, um, you know, it was in a 117 to 85 loss. So <laughs> right, exactly. Not, yeah. So, yeah, that, that first game was 103 to um, to. 70 and um yeah kukoc only had that four game, yeah he only had four that right game. so so that's the exactly. one like when, when people bring up that game that or that you know jordan and pippen like shutting down kukoc it's that first game where he only scores four yeah uh Croatia Seven turnovers too yeah exactly yeah. i mean that that's a not a good one but i, I do people kind of forget that that second game as well where kukoc you know again in a huge loss a 32 point loss but still had you know uh his second best scoring out of the entire yeah. tournament um, with, with 16 points. So I think, you know, not, not necessarily busting the narrative there, but just kind of like, you know, there's a little, not that, not that people go like wild with, you know, Michael Jordan related narratives whatsoever, but I'm just, you know, just, right. just in case we, we know it wasn't like who coach got destroyed the entire, like he had another chance and, and, and he proved that he was, you know, a pretty good score in that game or whatever. But yeah, the first one, yeah. no doubt he, he had four points, seven turnovers. He did get bottled up, but you know, there is that other game too. So I just wanted to point that there's, one out. So there's more to it. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Yes. So looking at 96, which, of course, as we mentioned, gets overlooked a little bit. Um, but that team was extremely dominant as well. The um, the 92 team had a a 43.49 SRS. Um, the 96 team had a 31.43 SRS. So certainly um, the 96 team, 92 team was better, but the 96 team also uh, pretty strong. Um and uh, and their margins of victory were fairly dominant, including a 63 win point win against China. Uh, they did have one fairly cl- the, the closest uh, game was a win over Lithuania. It was a 22 point game. So uh, again, not quite as dominant, but certainly they did stand out. Pippen in um, in uh, the '96 uh, series, he uh, had 11 points per game, 3.88 assists or rebounds rather, 2.9 assists. Um, and he, uh, in this game, you know, the series, um, the team had uh, David Robinson, Reggie Miller, 
Uh, Charles Barkley returning also from the 92 team. Uh, I believe Barkley and Pippen and, and uh, Robinson and Stockton were, I believe, the the holdovers from that team. Uh, was Carl Malone? He was on. Yeah, he was on the 92 team team as well. So yeah, I guess they, they had a more carryover than I kind of recall from that team actually. Uh, the newcomers were um, Mitch Richmond, uh, Shaquille O'Neal, Penny Hardaway, Grant Hill, Gary Payton, and Akeem Olajuwon, who um, became a U.S. citizen and joined the Olympic team. So, looking at the tail of the tape, 92 versus 96. So, we will. I, I would. I would say that all of the players that carry over from 92 to 96. Probably the 92 version is better. Is there anyone that we think was was better in 96 than in 92? Uh, the only one I would maybe, maybe, maybe say is Scottie Pippen. But, like, Scottie Pippen was awesome in 1992. So it's like maybe he rounded out. Maybe he was a little bit more of an overall offensive player in 1996. But I would probably still take the 1992 Pippen over the 96 one. Uh, Barkley, of course, you're going to take 92 Barkley. Malone, you're probably going to take the 92 Malone. Uh, Stockton, probably the 92 Malone. Maybe a case can be made for 96. Uh, and David Robinson, I probably take the 1992 as well. Maybe he's one that you can make a slight, slight case for. But um, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's it, really. I mean, otherwise, yeah, it, it, it's pretty solid. Yeah, I, the 92 guys, I think I'm, I, I think I would probably probably take each for each one of those. If, if I was having to give a choice, I'd probably take the 92 of each one of those guys for sure. Yeah, Robinson and Pippen were 26 in 92 and 30 in um, right. 96. The, the one I would say maybe Malone because um, Malone was such a good player when he as he got older. Um, you know, he he was 32, 33 in 96 um, and, uh, and and 29 um, in 92. So I I think that he might be the only one who might have been better in 96, even though he was potentially past his prime just because he aged so well. But um, so accepting those, we'll, we'll accept that the 92 guys were generally better. Um, you know, uh, you, you compare Christian Leitner to Grant Hill. Obviously, Grant Hill wins. Um, Shaquille O'Neal, there's no center who's as good as 24-year-old Shaquille O'Neal, I think, on the 92 team. Right. Plus, you have Akeem Olajuwon, 33, but still really dominant. So I, I think the bigs overall probably better on the 96 team. No, for sure. I, I think, you know, when you look at bigs... Definitely. Yeah. Adding Shaquille O'Neal to that team, replacing, you know, <laughs> Christian Leitner and then, you know, Hakeem freaking Olajuwon joins it. I mean, yeah, no, no doubt in my mind uh, that the big men from, from that 96 team definitely eclipsed the big men from the 1992 team because, yeah, the 92, you got, you know, Patrick Ewing, uh, David Robinson carried over. Uh, otherwise, yeah, Carl Malone, again, you get a little maybe better. So, yeah, I mean, maybe, yeah, in terms of big men, I mean, I think there's no question that the 96 team is better, so. Yeah, so then we get to the guards where, so, okay, 24-year-old Penny Hardaway versus 32-year-old Magic Johnson. That's a really interesting thought there. Um, And I I think Magic was still good enough at that point that he might have been slightly better than Penny, but it's really close. Oh, that is that is tricky. Ooh, that is hard to pick. I'm probably, I mean, every Hardaway at this time, Penny, 1996, Penny. Is pretty awesome, you know what I mean? And like, and Magic at this point, because of of, of so much kind of going on in his life, wasn't maybe the same, you know, in terms of the same shape and and in the same sort of man. That's I like. I hate picking against Magic, but I'm probably gonna go with Anthony uh, on this one. I'm going Penny in 1996. Yeah. So then, okay, Gary Payton or um, just kind of just kind of compare uh, Clyde Drexler. That's an interesting. <laughs> Dresser's 30 in 92, Peyton's 27 in 96, 
I, that's probably a toss up to me. I don't know. It's really, it's really close. Yeah, I'm kind of between on those. The, the problem with Clyde Drexler is he always looked like he was 36 years old. So like, I can't believe he was like 30 <laughs> in 1992. Are you kidding? Like, yeah. yeah. But he, we had no hair. What? How could you be 30? But uh, poor Clyde, man. Clyde, yeah, jeez, he always looked like. 37 years old no matter what uh i'm gonna go clyde over over gary that's nothing against gary payton but i think clyde drexler at that point in his career was a, a little bit better of an overall uh guy in 1992 i mean this is we're talking about arguably maybe his best year ever too in 1992 you know leading the blazers to the finals and stuff so uh, i'm gonna pick i'm gonna pick clyde from 92 over over payton but again we're talking about olympic teams team usa someone's got to go down that's nothing against gary payton it's just I, I i'm going drexler there but i mean gary led his team to the finals that year too yeah, so it's it, like it, it's close yeah, yeah right Right there. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Mitch Richmond and um, uh, Chris Mullen. Oh, that's another toughie right there. Oh, man. I'd probably go Mullen, but, um, you know, yeah, Richmond's 31. Mullen was only 28. So I'd probably go Mullen, but. Man, um, is that true? That's that unbelievable. Like Chris Mullen was like 28 then, and Mitch Richmond yeah. was 31 in 1996. How is that even possible? What the hell? I thought yeah. those guys were like 10 years apart from each other. No, uh, I'm going to go Mullen there, I, I, I think. And that's, again, nothing against Mitch. I, I like Mitch a lot, but I think Chris Mullen's a better overall player than Mitch Richmond. Yeah. And, and then we got Reggie Miller and Michael Jordan. Well, you know, okay, so, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on a minute. Um, you didn't get my answer. Like, right. It's my. I mean, it's my. Yeah, yeah. You got it. Right. Right. Yeah. So, and then, well, um, and then you got Larry Bird, of course, on the '92 uh, team. Um, and yeah, Larry Bird it was kind of at the end there. I mean, he was kind of long for the ride, you know. So he's kind of a. So he's not quite a wasted spot. I mean, he's there kind of in an honorary capacity, and then Leitner is obviously the weak link uh, there. So I don't know. I I think it's close. Like I I I think if you put the 92 versus 96 who are possible to, you know, have some, some sort of, you know, um, alternate universe, you know, quantum physics, like all these two teams could play against each other. Um, you, you know, um, I, I think the 90, I, I like the 92 team probably wins more, but it's like probably like six to four. Like, I, I think the 96 team wins a lot. No, I think that's that definitely, case. yeah. I think you could definitely make a case for that. Cause like you said, there, there's, there's some big things that kind of change it is, you know, 1996 has, maybe a little bit more athleticism in terms of, you know, adding guys like a Penny Hardaway, you know, replacing a guy like a Christian Leitner, adding a Grant Hill, you know, those sort of guys coming in and, and, and taking those plays, adding Shaquille O'Neal in you know, 24 years old. I mean, obviously that's going to help a lot as, as well. And then in terms of the big men, I mean, the 1996 team, that's going to be tough to handle. You know, the 92 team has a lot of good guards, a lot of good forwards, but not much in the way of, you know, kind of uh, the big dudes. Whereas 96, you know, you got to deal with David Robinson, Akeem Olajuwon, Shaquille O'Neal, and Carl Malone and, you know, Charles Barkley still, you know, at this point, like that's that's really, really tough. But, uh, yeah, the Jordan factor plays a huge role in it. But, uh, yeah, you're, you're not wrong. Like, I think there there is more case to be made uh, for the 96 team. And I think there absolutely is, you know, an argument for that. But it's just because the 1992 team came out of nowhere in, in some way and quote out of nowhere in terms of like Team USA not really being a player. And then this team, you know, finally unloads on the world of, hey, here's the top NBA stars and here's how good they are compared to the rest of the world. Like that there people are always going to pick the 92 team by default, but you're right. There's, there's definitely a case to be made for the 96 team. And I'm, I'm glad we kind of took some time to do that. So that's fun. Yeah. Uh, so next, I, I think sort of a, uh, a surprise on this list, probably the, the, the least biggest uh, star in terms of, you know, all time NBA fame here, uh, Lamar Odom. Yeah, so let's get to Lamar Odom here. 2010. This is kind of funny when we uh, tweeted out about uh, at Overback NBA 
uh, on Twitter when we tweeted out about this episode, we had people guessing and, and saying, oh, I think it's, you know, oh, you guys are probably talking about this guy and that guy and that guy. For whatever reason, Lamar Odom, like, it's, people were stuck. Nobody got to Lamar Odom, which I, I get because you're thinking, well, 2010, Lamar Odom, it's just because it's, it's kind of strange that he's on this list. But, yeah, a year of uh, a really total redemption for Lamar Odom, both in the NBA uh, and international play. Uh, in the NBA, uh, Odom finally banked in on the uh, tremendous promise he had shown early in his career. Uh, he played huge minutes and was a key cog in the later uh, the Lakers title run. Uh, and this was after years and years and years of untapped potential with both the Clippers and the Heat. Uh, he did play for the Heat briefly. Uh, it all finally came together for Odom uh, 2010 in the six-man utility player role. You know, the Clippers, he was meant to be like one of the guys. And then there was obviously it's the Clippers. So it like wasn't going to go well. And, you know, you had Darius Miles, you had Quentin Richardson, you had Little Morrow. Like it just it, it didn't quite work out. But you saw from this just the games that he played even with the Clippers that this guy had something. And then Miami, again, it didn't quite click all the way around and then he goes to the Lakers and it just kind of all works. He fits into the role perfectly. He fits perfectly behind you know, a Paul Gasol and a Kobe Bryant. It's just a guy that you can rely on to do just about everything you need, be all over the court and be just a reliable guy, uh, both off the bench or if you need him in a starting role. It's just all kind of worked for Lamar Odom uh, in 2010. And then internationally too, he was looking to kind of put the pass behind him in a lot of ways because he was a member of the uh, infamous 2004 Summer Olympics team that won bronze. Uh, yeah, well, uh, that's a whole topic for another episode one of these days, uh, is that 2004 uh, Olympics team. But uh, <clears throat> had to wait a, f- a few years, though, uh, to get back in international play because in 2006, uh, he was unable to play in the FIBA World Championships due to the death of his son. Uh, and then in 2007, he missed out due to a shoulder injury. Uh, and then in the 2010 team, he kind of became the de facto, and this seems very odd in 2010, but kind of became the de facto you know, veteran leader of this team. He led the USA team in rebounds uh, and finished the tournament with uh, double-doubles in both the semifinals and the championship games. This is the FIBA World Championships, I should say. Uh, by the way, if I did not say that out at the top already. Uh, and he also became the first player in history to win an NBA title and FIBA gold in the same year. So we talked about Jordan and Pippen, and those guys won Olympic gold. This is the first guy to win FIBA gold uh, and an NBA title in the same year. Uh, Lamar Odom. But yeah, I was kind of surprised by Lamar Odom. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, he did win a title and a FIBA gold world you know, in, in, in 2010. But uh, yeah, Lamar Odom, uh, a good year for Lamar. And unfortunately, uh, yeah. Bad times would kind of follow afterwards. So yeah, he really fell off pretty soon after this. Actually, um, yeah, this was the of course this was after the second championship with the Lakers because um, they won in two thousand nine and then again in, right right in in, in twenty ten. Um, yeah, this is sort of an interesting team. Um, it's uh, it's it's Chauncey Billups, uh, Kevin Durant was twenty one, uh, Derek Rose also twenty one, Russell Westbrook also twenty one, Rudy Gay at twenty three back when he was on the national teams. <laughs> Uh, Andre Iguodala, 26, still with the Sixers. Um, Danny Granger, 27, with the Pacers. Uh, Steph Curry, 22, uh, with the Warriors. Uh, Eric Gordon, uh, 21, with the Clippers. Kevin Love, 21, with the, with the Wolves. And then Odom, age 30, with the Lakers. And Tyson Chandler, only 27 at this point with the uh, Mavericks. He was, uh, he, of course, he started his career very, very young. So I, uh, I kind of expected him to be slightly older. But um, anyway, so... Um, I mean, not again, not really. I mean, guys who would become huge stars, and I, I guess Rose actually had already been been MVP. Um, but a lot of very, very young players um, on this team. I mean, they did win this. Uh, you know, they they, they did win um, things pretty handily here. You know, were able to uh, you know win the tournament pretty handily and um, and you know get the FIBA gold. But um, you know, yeah, again, you know, Odom was definitely kind of. Um, and this team did not have any of the 2008 Olympians on them, so it was it was kind of talked about being a B team. But um, and and Chandler was really the only you know, true center on the team. But they managed to you know pull it together and um, 
and, and come out ahead. Yeah. And uh, you owed him. Yeah. Really after this, you know, really his career turned, unfortunately, um, sad his personal life as, as well. But, um, you know, he, yeah, it's easy to kind of forget what a great player he was. And in fact, I, I had no idea he was on that 2004 Olympics team. Um, you know, I, I didn't think of him as quite that level of player to do that, but he absolutely had that talent and at times very much delivered on that level. Right. And and that could have been one of the, re- the reasons that you might not have thought of him being on that team. And the reason he wasn't on that team was kind of one of the issues with that team in a lot of ways, uh, as well as that, like there was, there was your stars, but there were a lot of like, you know, guys that weren't quite there, young players that were, didn't quite have it all together. It, it was just, yeah, it's, it's, it's an absolute disaster. And it also had Larry Brown in it too, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, again, like I said, a topic for another day. But, yeah, it's, it's kind of amazing to look at this 2010 team and see Lamar Odom as the only guy 30 years old. And it's not even close, too, in terms of him being the oldest guy. Like Tyson Chandler is 27. Danny Granger is 27. And then the rest of the guys are like babies. Or Chauncey Billups is 33. I should mention Chauncey Billups as well. But, yeah, um, yeah but the rest of the guys, though, I mean, just like babies. You know, Durant, Rose, Westbrook, all 21 years old. Uh, Eric Gordon, 21. Kevin Love, 21. I mean, Steph Curry, 22. It's just like literal children you know on this team but uh yeah they got it done this year and yeah lamar odom working as kind of the de facto uh kind of the de facto veteran uh, on this team him and chauncey billups both kind of playing that role so good uh good redemption story for lamar uh, in 2010 yes uh chandler and Iguodala both on the 2012 olympic team as well i uh it surprises me a little bit um, yeah, tyson chandler being on as many olympic teams is like the shock of like this entire series right. going back i mean like i mean tyson chandler's great i get it like if you want a center like there's nobody better than tyson chandler but it's just like uh, yeah really tyson chandler's in so many international teams i just never i never thought of him as that way but hey yeah yeah hey, good for him <laughs> So, uh, speaking of 2012, uh, someone who uh, certainly uh, made a a dent in their legacy was uh, LeBron James, who, um, you know, finally won an NBA championship. We're putting finally in quotes because it was, you know, like his eighth or ninth season in the league. Um, But people have been waiting for it for a long time. He had, of course, had to. Uh, forming the big three with Miami and the year prior, they'd, you know, fallen short, you know, losing against the Dallas Mavericks team. You know, people were not expecting to win a title. Uh, yeah, but, you know, no narratives there, of course. No, <laughs> no. <definitely. laughs> none. Yeah, yeah, right. zero. yeah, yeah, no, no, but yeah, obviously, seriously, this was a really transformative year for winning the title in Miami and then capping it off with another, you know, gold medal. He'd already, you know, led the team in 2008, although there was definitely some like thought there that, Oh, it was actually Kobe's team or Kobe led it in the end. And certainly Kobe was like really instrumental on that big gold medal win. You know, he, he, he took over down the stretch. I think LeBron obviously has something to do with that too, with the way that he played and the way, you know, again, the, the way that he passes, the way that he, you know, makes everything easier for everybody else. But Kobe obviously stepped up there, deserves that kudos, but this definitely was a different situation with LeBron. Um, I think really being the dominant player here, even though he didn't lead the scoring effort. I mean, there was uh, Durant and Carmelo really st- standing up to be the scoring effort, but I think this was definitely LeBron's, um, you know, really, really cemented his, his legacy internationally. Um, he'd been actually on the 2004 Olympics team, but, but really played very little 14.6 a point a minutes per game, which probably would not be helpful to um, the team. Larry Brown, again, doing some weird stuff. <laughs> right. Um, 2006 FIBA World Championship, he was there. He was a co-captain, uh, 13.9 points, 4.8 rebounds, 4.1 assists. They finished the tournament with the, only with an 8-1 record, though, only winning a, a bronze medal. So 
Uh, you know, and then it was also in the FIBA's America Championship in 2007. Um, had a 31-point performance against Ar- Argentina in the championship game, which was the most ever by an American in the Olympic qualifier. They went uh, Team USA went 10 and 0, won the gold medal, and then of course qualified for the 2008 Olympics, where Team USA won unbeaten, won their first gold medal since 2000, with LeBron playing a huge role there. Um, as you mentioned, 2010 LeBron didn't play uh, in in the FIBA World Championship before it was renamed the World Cup, but then of course came back in. London for the 2012 Olympics um, recorded the first triple double in U.S. Uh, Olympic basketball history with uh, 11 points, 14 rebounds. Is that the first? Oh yeah, U.S. Olympic. Ooh, correct. Yeah, history. yeah. Sorry, not the, not the first of all. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't right, have a record of right. all the other triple doubles. But yeah, I'd imagine that yes. somebody else has gotten one uh, before right. that. But yeah, still kind of surprising yes. that that it took this long for uh, U.S. Olympic yeah. basketball to, to get a triple double. Is, is this include men's and women's or just, or just I? Men's or you know, I think just men's, but but I I, I can't confirm that though. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and then, yeah, they defeated Spain again in the final game um, in uh, another close one. It was a w- 107 to 100. Again, uh, Spain f- always have a tough time falling short against the U.S. Uh, in the gold medal games. Uh, LeBron, 19 points in that game and became the all-time leading scorer in U.S. men's basketball history, uh, yeah, which is interesting there. And then joined Michael Jordan as the only players to win a an MVP award. Uh, NBA championship, a finals MVP, and an Olympic gold medal in the same year. So pretty good. Not bad at all. Yeah, that uh, that 2012 uh, final. If you ever get a chance to go, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's available online or sure you could find it via some sort of means. But uh, uh, seven points, the margin of victory series at 107 100. That's the second closest Olympic final ever. Uh, the other one is in 1972. Jason, the Soviet Union defeated oh, the yeah. United States. <laughs> oh, so uh, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> by uh, one point there. That uh, those Soviets were just a little bit uh, better than right. us on that. That night but uh anyway yeah. <laughs> hey, uh yeah really really good game though i mean an awesome awesome game if you've never went back and watched it i mean that is like two awesome teams you know at the you know team usa obviously we mentioned the guys you know they're an absolute stacked team but you know spain's got paul gasol it's got serge Ibaka, it's got marcus i mean that's a really really fun team uh if you ever do go back and watch that game but uh one thing about lebron we didn't get it into it a ton uh and and again there's no need really to do that but if you go back and look at some old quotes and some different stuff about uh, lebron's international plays a lot of those years like 2004 year there was an idea that he kind of had a little bit of an attitude or he wasn't like fully invested in international play. Like, he did it because he kind of felt like he needed to or that he you know was supposed to, but never really quite bought into it. And that kind of happened even through, you know, until 2008, really, until he finally won that gold medal in 2008. And people said, OK, that was, you know, a nice, you know, much more mature, a much more, you know, focused LeBron James. And and he was able to really kind of, you know, do it for for the team USA and really kind of put them on his back and and yeah he wasn't maybe the top scorer or the top you know guy but he was able to you know or, or not a top scorer but yeah definitely the top guy the de facto veteran that you know in terms of all that sort of stuff and in 2012 again when you talk about narratives and legacies and all that sort of stuff yes he wins an NBA title that year too that helps get a monkey off his back but then the 2012 team too again he is regarded as like the leader of this team he is the guy that really gets everybody ready and, and gets things going and that you know a stark contrast to what was kind of the narrative around him for the first few years of international play where he just didn't seem like he was invested all that much. Didn't seem very interested. And, and that may have been a Larry Brown problem more than, you know, a LeBron James problem. Very likely that's the case, but, but still there was all that narrative as well about him and, and you know, LeBron James entire career is about, you know, kind of people developing narratives or whatever, but the idea that he could do so much better in international play, if he really put his mind to it and really got invested in it, we see in 2008 and then especially in 2012, he's definitely there and he, he's definitely understanding where he fits and, and how important these games are for the international play. 
legacy of, of LeBron James as well and for the international brand of LeBron James, which I would say after this year, really, you know, he was still he was still a huge deal, obviously, before this. But finally winning that title, finally winning this Olympic gold medal, finally getting that monkey off his back. Like people, I think, all sort of embrace LeBron James, even the most staunch LeBron James hater, you know, after this year and then the next year, obviously, after that. It was hard to kind of still be that guy. It was hard to really still be a LeBron hater uh, after these few years too. So it was, it was an important, an important transcendent period for for LeBron for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, next we have uh, LeBron's uh, former teammate uh, Kyrie Irving uh, in 2016 uh, was able to. Uh, uh, be part of the Olympic uh, gold medal team in uh, in 2016. Certainly a um, a fantastic accomplishment. Looking back a little bit on his international career, he um, was part of the uh, in in 2010. He was part of the U.S. gold medal winning team at the FIBA's Under 18 Championship. Um, and uh, uh, and in fact, in 2012, he was in contention for position on the Australian team because he was actually born in Australia, but uh, did decided instead to uh, go with the United States national team for the 2016 Olympics. Uh, was part of the 2014 FIBA World Cup team that won the gold medal. Irving was the MVP that year. He was also named the 2014 USA Basketball Male Athlete of the Year. Um, and then 2016, yes, um, of course, he was part of the tremendous effort from the Cleveland Cavaliers to come back from a 3-1 deficit and um, and uh, beat the Golden State Warriors, the 73-win Golden State Warriors. You might have heard about this, Rich. I, I don't – You're going to have to – well, hold on a minute. What happened? <laughs> the Warriors, they won 73 games. Yeah, and we'll, then we'll talk happened? about that one later. Yeah, we'll talk about that one later. Yeah. So, um, hit, you know, w- one of the biggest shots in NBA history with, uh, you know, hitting the clutch jumper that ended up sealing uh, that series. Uh, and then right after that, um, joined with a bunch of actually uh, Warriors um, on uh, on the 2016 Olympics team and um, and and went into uh, to get another uh, gold medal for Team USA. In fact, yes, Irving joined. Uh, he, he, he joined. um uh, Draymond Green and um, Clay Thompson, Harrison Barnes, who uh, at this point was a former Warrior and became a uh, Maverick, and then New Warrior uh, Kevin Durant, uh, who, who had jumped from the Thunder to the Warriors at, at this point. So very interesting dynamics in that 2016 team with all that, with the team hopping and uh, so forth. But yeah, I mean, Kyrie, you know, amazing accomplishments. He and um, LeBron became the first teammates to score 40 points in an NBA Finals game. Uh, as we mentioned, game seven, Irving hits a three pointer with 53, um, seconds left. That gives the Cavs a 92 89 lead. They eventually win 93 89. Um, and just, you know, uh, tremendous, uh, you know, accomplishment for him. And, and, you know, Irving's at an interesting point in his career where, um, you know, he's been dealing with some injuries. He's been less effective with the Celtics. We'll see how things go with the Nets, but there's definitely, some signs that maybe, you know, his time as an elite player may be ending a little bit early on in his career. So, you know, this is, this stuff is really important to his legacy and, you know, building the case. I, I, I think he's probably done enough to make a hall of fame case, although that might be questionable at this point. Um, But, uh, but those are absolutely the things that are, you know, going to cement him in there. And he did that, of course, relatively early in his career. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and this, you know, this year, this 2016, 
I don't know if that the gold medal really mattered all that much. I think the NBA final and taking that last shot and winning and, you know, helping Cleveland win the title. I mean, when you talk about narrative changing and, you know, career changing, career altering moments, like that's it for Kyrie Irving. That was him, you know, jumping onto the main stage, the national stage, you know, being, you know, yes, the sidekick of, of, you know, LeBron James being the one of the three top guys in terms of Kevin Love and LeBron James or whatever. But, you know, for Kyrie Irving hitting that shot, I mean, that launched him into just another stratosphere in terms of NBA stardom. And like you said, at that point, you know, if you tracked his trajectory at that point, I mean, it never got higher because then there was obviously the issues and, and then the problems in Boston, the, the the bad play in Boston, the injuries, and now they got the bro. So it's it, it's it's we don't know if that will be his highest high, but I mean, man, when you talk about that moment afterwards, you know, him hitting that shot, winning that game, winning that title. I mean, there was there was no higher moment, and that was the the time. And you you heard it at the time too, where it's like, oh man, Kyrie has arrived, like he is here now, and that's a big deal. And yeah, the, the you know the gold medal also helps that a little bit. But I mean, what he did in that NBA season was, was, was tremendous, and what he did in that that last shot, you know, so so big, uh, such a big deal, and you know, really being the one of the driving forces of that NBA Finals team too. So yeah, his his career completely changed in 2016, and and like you said, yeah, it's it's hard to know. Where where it's going to go after this if it's ever going to reach that high again but uh yeah you can't take 2016 away from him though yeah and you're right i mean that gold medal was more icing on the cake than anything it certainly wasn't you know the kind of the same level of accomplishment it, and and by this you know team usa winning gold medals in the olympics was old hat i mean they, they'd already done it in 2008 and 2012 and you know and, and done it in all the world cup time so it wasn't anything that was interesting and maybe this loss in 2019 for the u.s will make that special for the u.s you know in the olympics and other world championships again but um yeah i guess we'll, we'll kind of see from there. yeah we'll see this could be our 2004 maybe not quite as uh <laughs> as, as to, to, you know demonstrative not quite as like a, a, a an explosion as 2004 was but yeah same thing we've kind of gotten bored and they've kind of become mundane winning gold medals and maybe you need a little kick in the ass sometimes to go oh wait hold on a minute no we're team usa like let's yeah. go let's let's win these gold medals again. About yeah. This. yeah let's start caring again yeah. so hopefully hopefully that does happen because uh yeah i don't like i am i'm not very the most patriotic man in the world but still team usa shouldn't be fitting sipping, seventh you know what i mean like gotta be a little bit better than that so maybe a little better than that yes so and last but not least, our, our newest entry into the club, Marcus Gasol. Marcus Gasol, 2019, of course. Uh, we're going to talk about his uh, his NBA season a little bit. I mean, you you were just there. You just lived through it. You don't need us to tell you. He was on Memphis for for many many years. Left his longtime home. Uh, goes to the Toronto Raptors in a mid season trade, and and yeah, he plays a huge role. I think in in Toronto Raptors winning uh, the NBA Finals. Is he the main? guy that makes it go no that's obviously you know Kawhi Leonard and to a lesser extent you know a, a Kyle Lowry but I think it'd be it'd be stupid to ignore how important Marcus Gasol was to that team giving them a big presence giving them a big man I mean obviously you know they trade Jonas Valachunas who was there forever they trade him in you know to Memphis to get Marcus Gasol and, and and that's a huge upgrade for for Toronto and uh it's impossible to argue that that Marcus Gasol didn't play a huge role uh, in Toronto winning uh the NBA finals and, and that's a huge moment that's a real good moment but 2019, I think Marcus Gasol will always look back at what he did internationally, winning the FIBA gold medal. And we're going to talk about it here. I mean, his international career is prolific. I mean, in 2006, he's 21 years old at this point. 2006, he's named to the Spanish national team for the uh, 2006 uh, FIBA World Championships in Japan. He was a replacement for NBA draftee Fran Vasquez. You remember Fran Vasquez? Uh, yeah. yeah, old Fran Vasquez. Uh, I do. Yeah. yeah. So Fran Vasquez is out. Yeah. Marcus Gasol is in at 21 years old. Uh, Spain, Spain goes on to win the gold medal in Japan as well as the 2009 FIBA Eurobasket. Uh, Marcus Gasol also won silver medals at the 2007 FIBA Eurobasket, the 2008 Summer Olympics, and the 2012 Summer Olympics. So, yes, he gets a gold medal with that team, but he's 21 years old. He doesn't really matter. He's just, you know, a small, yeah, it's Marcus Saul at 21 years old on a team filled with, you know, 
stars of Spain and guys that would go to the NBA, his brother, you know, Juan Carlos Navarro, Fran, like those guys, there was, I mean, they were a bigger, huge deal than, you know, Marcus Gasol played, you know, very, very little role uh, for them at that point. But uh, he won gold medal, uh, the 2011 FIBA Eurobasket, again, Eurobaskets, not uh, the international, uh, bronze medals of the 2013 FIBA Eurobasket, as well as the 2017 FIBA Eurobasket. So he's, he's dominating Eurobasketball, he's winning those golds, but he hasn't had the big one quite yet. He hasn't had the one as him being one of the big guys on the team, but finally, 2019, he does it in China. Uh, they win the FIBA World Championships. Uh, this one meant far more. Again, he's not a bright-eyed 21-year-old youngster anymore, but he's really the de facto leader and the top player for Spain. I mean, he leads Spain to the gold, uh, averages 14.4 points per game, and and really, like, this is a huge win for Spain and and really for Gasol as well. I mean, he did something that, you know, his fellow countrymen, Sergio Rodriguez, Serge Ibaka, Nikola Mirotic, and even, you know, Paul Gasol weren't able to do. I mean, he beat, you know, he won, you know, the big, big medal in, in, in the FIBA World Championship. So it's just really cool here. Uh, and he also joined Lamar Odom uh, as the only players to win a World Cup and an NBA championship uh, in the same year as well. So Lamar Odom and Marcus Gasol, the only guys winning the FIBA World Cup and an NBA title uh, in the same year. And again, yeah, the NBA, that's a huge accomplishment to, you know, be a part of that NBA, you know, finals team. But yeah, winning it for Spain and being the top player uh, for Spain as well in, in, in their quest to win the world, uh, the, the gold, uh, definitely eclipses all that. And if you read the quotes, I mean, he is just, th- this means everything to him. <laughs> this gold medal, I mean, it was so, so important uh, to Marcus Gasol. And what a, what a summer this guy's had. So, yeah. So do you think that before this happened, do you think you would have, do you think this it changes your mind about him in, in the Hall of Famer? Did you have him in before or do you even have him in now? I feel like he's still kind of on the fence for me. Um, I want to put him over there, and and I do think this international thing will definitely help. I mean, he I, I don't think he had a case before. Uh, I think now he at least definitely has an argument. I don't know that like if he retired tomorrow, if he said, you know, hey, I've done everything I want to do this summer. I'm out. I'm just going to go chug beers for the rest of my you know, life, which again, I would, I would, you know, hey, go do it, man. You won the World Cup and a, and a NBA title in the same year. Go chug all the beers you want. Like, I, I think if he retired tomorrow, I don't know that I'd make him a Hall of Famer, but I think he's probably going to build on this even more. But this, like you said, is a tremendous feather in the cap. And I think definitely now starts the argument or the case for him to, to, to eventually pop up in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, two-time All-NBA Defensive Player of the Year. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I would, I would lead him in at this point. I, I'm not saying it's like absolutely for certain, but I, I think, I think he's enough, and I, I think it definitely this summer has boosted him into that conversation. Um, and I, I would have probably put him in there before, but I think it's, it's definitely a stronger case now, you know, fair or not. But these, you know, these things, whether they, whether they're really, you know. Um, should be meaningful. They definitely are meaningful to people. So sure, no, absolutely. I, I would yeah, and, and the basketball hall of yeah. fame is is everything. It's not just the NBA. And yeah. and, and again, right. like I said, international play. I mean, he's been playing since 2006 and playing an important role in pretty much every team. You know, since then. So I mean, that that you can't scoff at that. You cannot scoff at that. And especially in 2019, being the top guy on the FIBA World Cup champion. I mean, that, that that's a big deal. You know, he scored 33 points in the semifinals. Uh, you know, that's that's a big deal. And then in the finals, you know, it's 14 points, seven assists, two steals, three blocks. Like, that's, you know, it's a big deal as well. So, um, no, you can't you can't deny what he's done this summer, and you can't deny what he's done internationally as well. So Definitely. So, um, so this, uh, in addition to the NBA players that we talked about, this has also been accomplished by several uh, WNBA players. I wanted to mention them uh, real quick. Uh, Tina Thompson, Cheryl Swoops, uh, Delish Milton, uh, Lisa Leslie, Tameka Dixon, Sue Bird has done it three times. Uh, Katie Smith, Swin Cash, Tamika Ketchings, uh, Brittany Griner, Candace Dupree, Brianna Stewart, and Jewel Lloyd. So, uh, so 
uh, impressive list there. Sue Bird three times is, uh, I mean, she's had an incredibly long career. You know, I feel like she's been, uh, you know, WNBA star forever. I think she's, you know, close to 40 years old at this point. Yeah, I feel so, like Sue Bird, I've, uh, in my entire adult life or my entire life, it feels like Sue Bird's been like a top level basketball player. Like she's got to be, is she even winding down now? I feel like she's still like pretty good, right? <laughs> like I remember, I remember right, I thought I saw yeah. a game uh, not that long ago. I thought I saw, I looked at her stats recently and I'm like, man, she's still going. <laughs> like she's still like not, you know, her, she, she was incredible, you know, a decade ago, but Jesus for being, you know, it, 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 almost 40 years old still, I think a pretty, yeah, she led the league last year in three point percentage of field goal percentage. Damn. Awesome. Right. Yeah. Her. And yeah, an and, assist. And, she led the league in assists. <laughs> That's awesome. Right. And yeah. And the storm won the championship a couple of years, seasons ago, I believe. So, uh, yeah, still, you know, an incredible player, but that's, that's, uh, that's good stuff. Um, she, and then, oh, real, uh, real quickly, uh, international play. Yeah. She started in the 2000. She was on the Jones Cup team uh, in Taipei. And then the um, wow. 2002, she's been on the national team since 2002 in terms of a uh, world championship. So it's unbelievable. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of yeah. years. Like, that's- right. Yeah. Uh, that, that'd be up there in the all time, you know, um, greatest international basketball careers for sure. Yeah. Um, so also, uh, Real quick, we're going to just talk about the players who have won an NBA ring uh, the year after winning a gold medal. So not not the same summer, but you know, fairly close. Uh, Bill Russell, 1956 gold and 1957 ring. Uh, plus he won the 1956 NCAA title. So that's quite a accomplishment there. Uh, the, um, the Olympics that year were like in December because um, it was Australia. So the summer is in, in December in Australia. So uh, he joined the Celtics late. We played, I think, roughly two thirds of the season, of course, you know, led the, them to the NBA title that year. Um, we have uh, Michael Jordan again, 92 gold, 93 ring. Scotty Pippen on this list twice, uh, 92 gold, 93 ring, and also 96 gold and 97 ring. Manu Ginobili uh, winning the 2004 gold for Argentina and 2005 ring for the Spurs. He was not one that immediately came to mind until I did some research. Kobe Bryant, the 2008 gold and the 2009 ring. That was kind of the, I think, the peak of his um, career to a certain extent because he, of course, won that MVP finally in 2008 and then, uh, you know, uh, helped lead the U.S. to the the redeemed team to win gold again after not having won that since 2000 in the Olympics. Uh, Tyson Chandler we've talked about before, but the 2010 gold and the 2011 ring that was a big surprise um, for uh, you know the fact that I don't think the Mavericks were expected, of course, not to win the championship in 2011. That was that was kind of out of nowhere. So interesting couch for me. He's another guy. I don't think he's quite there in the Hall of Fame case, but the, the, to be one of the shortlist guys, you know, in this club, I I, I think you know, um, you know, makes him just an interesting guy worth considering. I don't think ultimately he's going to get there, but I think that's you know. Um, uh, that that's kind of something that would, you know, give him at least a little bit of a boost. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He should definitely be in the conversation, but again, like, yeah, if, if he retired tomorrow, not very well, I, I would, I don't know that I would, yeah. uh, I don't know that I would vote for him, but I would definitely listen to an argument. If, if you said, Rich, I'm going to argue you about Tyson Chandler in the hall of fame. I'd probably definitely listen to it uh, and, and enjoy the argument quite a lot. So, yeah, and, and Gasol's probably going to do more in his career to boost his case. Right, he's still got bit. a few more I, years I, I ahead think, of him yeah. to add some stuff, and yeah. uh, I don't know that Tyson's got uh, a whole lot left in the tank there to uh, to add to his resume. But who knows? Hey, we never know with Tyson. And who knows? And then LeBron, 2012 gold, 2013 ring. And then a few interesting ones here. Uh, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson both won uh, golds in 2014 and rings in 2015, of course. Um, and then some other Warriors we, we talked about already. Uh, Kevin Durant. 
Clay Thompson and Draymond Green in 2016 won the gold uh, and then the 2017 ring. As we mentioned before, Durant had just uh, had not yet played for the Warriors, but had joined uh, had already joined the Warriors from Oklahoma City and would, you know, win the gold and then play for the team uh, during that season to lead them to the championship after the debacle in 2016. Oh, yes. Yeah. Plenty of stuff there. And yeah, there's uh, the Warriors that we're going to talk about them here a little bit. I mean, there is just. (laughs) <laughs> they've kind of changed the game in terms of like you talking about the other thing you had Bill Russell then you jumped all the way to Michael Jordan then you had Scottie Pippen Michael Jordan Scottie Pippen Manu Kobe Tyson LeBron and now just Warriors because they've just like changed the right. entire <laughs> game and like a lot of Warriors do because you know they just keep winning titles and it's it's just yeah this run that they're on is is is, is really we, we say it a lot it's it, it it's not totally unprecedented but it is man it is unique and it is so different from what they've been doing uh or what's kind of been going on in NBA history for quite a while as well. But yeah, just unbelievable. <laughs> just racking up the accomplishments. Yeah. So while we're, uh, we have a little time left, um, completely off topic, but why not talk about it? So Warriors dynasty, is it done or do you think they can re, do you think they can re- revamp it and be championship contenders again, you know, with the core players, you know, Draymond clay and Steph. I think they can. I really do. I, I think in, until Steph Curry stops being able to hit threes at the level he does, uh, and until Clay Thompson stops being able to hit threes at the level he does, which again, I, I don't know. I guess I want to see Clay after the injury. I, I mean, it's just uh, you know, torn ACLs these days. He should be back, you know, perfectly fine and and be back and healthy and ready to go again. But I mean, I guess that's the one question: is does he pop right back up uh, and do what he does? Uh, Draymond is a guy who, again, like you started to see some cracks last year. Uh, in his foundation, but I think as long as you still have Steph Curry and as long as Curry's doing Curry things, you still have Steve Kerr and you still have that sort of culture around the Warriors, I think that they're at least going to be in the mix. Are they no doubters like they've been the last, you know, five years? Probably not, and especially not this year with with, with the injury to Clay. But uh, I think at least by next year, they're at least still in the mix again. And I think that they still have a shot at at, at, at least, you know, grabbing at least one more title again with this core but uh yeah they're, they're not shoe like they were before but i'm not ready to kind of throw dirt on the, the entire dynasty quite yet yeah i agree i think that they i think they have a shot yeah I, again probably not this year with um the injuries i mean i you know it wouldn't like completely shock me if it happened um I, and i agree i think you know curry's as long as they can shoot curry and thompson are still going to be special players maybe not quite as special as they slow down a little bit but um, I think Draymond's kind of the key because he did so some sign sign a slippage a little bit defensively, and you know he's never been he's never necessarily had like the best um, you know f- physical condition in terms of cosmetically. You know, he, I mean, he's in great shape, but he's not a you know he's a guy. It looks like like it, with the body type that he has, that maybe he could decline a little early if he doesn't. You know, right, once you enter your thirties, being like kind of right. lumpy and stuff is like when you're twenty six right. and being lumpy. It's like whatever, dude. I'm still at the peak of my athleticism. Yay, whatever. Right. But yeah, once you get yeah. thirty, it's like nah, I don't know if that like that body type's gonna work for you all the way into your thirties. Yeah, so. and it may not matter, but it's something obviously to watch. I mean, yeah, I I think even more. I mean, I think it's Steph and Draymond. Uh, you know, and then. Clay is important, but he's definitely the third most important. I, I think further down um, than you know Draymond and Steph. They they need to still kind of sustain their level of play for to, for them to really have a realistic shot. And, and I definitely think it's possible. I, I think yeah, obviously they're smart and they can you know make some trades or um, you know find some you know vets some cheap vets to fill in there. It, it'll definitely be challenging, but I 
you know, I certainly don't count them out in terms of still being a championship contender, even even maybe this year, depending on when Clay comes back and if he's ready to contribute right away. Yeah, they're, they're definitely a weird team this year. I can't wait to watch them, A, because it's going to be fun to see, like, the not dominant warriors. It's like Steph Curry kind of becoming the de facto leader all on his own again, you know, without really much, you know, in the way of, uh, of help in terms of clay and, 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 and no Durant and, and like D'Angelo Russell's there too. It's like, Oh yeah, right. D'Angelo Russell's weird. there. Yeah. Like, what? Right. Like, yeah. I, I remember I fired yeah. up, uh, uh, you know, NBA, the, the new NBA game and I'm looking at the warriors. And I'm like, who that, who's that guy? And I'm like, Oh yeah, they have D'Angelo Russell. Like why do they have D'Angelo Russell? It's just, it's very bizarre. I'm, I'm fascinated to see it. And, and uh, again, like very, very off topic, but it's, I, I I'm so, so anticipating this NBA season because there's there's really there's so many teams that have contentions for the title. Like no team feels like definitely a shoot. Like okay, that team for sure is going to make the NBA Finals. There's no point in even like I mean there, there's I mean there's a case to be made for six or seven teams that could have a real legit chance at doing. It. You look at the betting odds too, and the betting odds are like all across the board. And we haven't had that in the NBA in in, in quite a few years where it felt like it was just always going to be the Warriors. And and again, like I'm not counting the Warriors out though because they still got Steph Curry and they're going to get Klay Thompson again at some point. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a fascinating NBA season. But yeah, I'm 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 100 with you. I I'm not ready to bury them just yet, but I think they're the run is like de facto dominant team that you know the team is going to run away with the NBA championship those days are long gone but uh in terms of you know still being contenders still getting into western conference finals still maybe making NBA finals maybe surprising people with an NBA finals win I I wouldn't rule that out just yet and and being able to lock up that core too and knowing that those three guys are going to stay together and that they're still relatively young um definitely helps that a little bit too but uh we'll see yeah, we'll sign like Giannis or something like that. <laughs> we'll be like, oh, yeah, all right. Like, you know. <laughs> all right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we'll see. That's a that's a hot prediction there. Which I hope that doesn't happen. I really so. do not want that. Sorry, Milwaukee right. Bucks fans. I do not want Giannis yeah. to go to the Golden State Warriors. I, I want Giannis yeah. to stay in Milwaukee. But um, you never know. You never know. You know, you, you don't. Kevin Durant went to the Warriors for God's sakes. I mean, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> anything could happen. You know, like, Any anything. Anything can happen. All right, Rich. Well, uh, thanks everyone for checking us out. You can find us at um, you can find us at uh, Fansided, uh, where we're uh, doing some great stuff at the Step Back. There's some uh, great NBA content there that you should uh, check out. And uh, also, uh, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Over and Back NBA. Feel free to uh, leave us a message or a tweet or a post or however you want to communicate with us. And uh, let us know if you uh, have any feedback on the show, if uh, we made any mistake, if we got any players on our list um, or things like that. Uh, and also leave us a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher or listen to your podcast. We would uh, we, we enjoy uh, getting uh, nice ratings and reviews. So if you want to do that, we would greatly appreciate it. So thanks for listening. And we're back again soon. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.